This red carpet season, enjoy the award-winning entertainment you love with AT&T's Unlimited and More Premium Plan. Go to att.com slash unlimited to learn more. Hello, and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly. We're taking you inside this year's best contenders for the industry's biggest awards. I'm your host, Shana Naomi Crockmall. I'm the digital director at EW, and I am joined this week by Sarah Rodman, EW's features editor. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello. And Katie Hasty, who is EW's senior film editor. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you both for joining us. This podcast is part one part of our comprehensive awards coverage in the magazine online at EW.com, both of which you two also work on quite a bit. Um, and this week we are going to talk a little bit about the Screen Actors Guild Awards, uh, what those wins or losses mean for the Oscars and even for the Emmys way on down in the next half of this award season. <laughs> wait, wait, there's <laughs> more awards out there. It's all just one. <laughs> and then later in the show, uh, we're going to take a closer look at the documentaries um, that are up for this year's Oscars and even some early contenders for next year's award shows from Sundance, as we've got a couple of folks who are there. Um, but let's let's start with, uh, you know, we all had a little bit of fun this weekend. EW has a pre-SAG Awards party. This was my first year. Um, it was your, my first year also, Katie's Katie? second year, my I second believe. Year. So the, the veteran at the SAG party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did it compare to ancient, last year's party? This, you know what, this was better than ever. Of all time, of all two times I've gone. Okay, fair. Um, it's terrible <laughs> listening to people talk about a party you didn't get to go to. So I'm just going to say uh, thank you to all of the amazing actors who yes. came came out and joined us as part of this. So we had most of the Crazy Rich Asians cast who are all even more attractive in person. So Every attractive. single one of them. Um, we had Patricia Clarkson. Patricia Clarkson, Sarah Paulson, Cody Fern, um, Denai Guerrera, Angela Bassett. Most of the cast of Bohemian Rhapsody, one of whom stepped on my foot but was so nice about it. So nice about it. it. <laughs> I think like most of the cat, like a lot of TV folks, This Is Us, Glow, some other folks were there. I, you know, I have to say like, I don't want to sound, I don't, I am not a cynical LA party hopper person. I am so not that person. But of the many years of going to events in LA, I have to say a party like this had a really nice vibe. People were really enjoying themselves. Like it's nice to see actors feel like it was not campaigny actually. It seemed like they were actually enjoying themselves and spending time with their fellow thespians. Absolutely, people talking to people and just hanging out, having yeah. drinks, like yeah. real people. It felt less like an industry thing and more sort of like, hey, this is an actual party yeah. that we and are I think, at. Yeah, the, the industry thing, like for, for you know, everybody who listens and don't go to these parties, of course we in this room are a little bit jaded and we know what that looks like. We're like, right. oh, lucky and jaded. But that always <laughs> normally means that there is a cordoned off area that is probably the most beautiful area of whatever room in your, you're in and that's where all the famous most people the go. And then there's people who are still looking for the snacks. Yeah. 
So there's like snacks people and then there's VIP. There was none of that here. This was all just people in really gorgeous dresses having a nice old time. Like industry parties can be really stuffy mm -hmm. and they can feel like there's an us and them and it did not yeah. feel like that. No, it's almost like when you put everyone all on an equal footing, everyone can be themselves and enjoy each other. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Magic. Go that was fun. There's some party. amazing photos you can see up at EW.com. People had a lot of fun. It was great to watch. They looked great. Always good to throw a party with a lot of extremely You know what? And you guys people. look great, too. Oh, thanks. thanks. You're, so welcome. Did you. You're welcome. There you go. <laughs> a little, little love fest from EW. Okay, then, then we got to the actual awards themselves. So on Sunday night, the 25th annual ceremony um, honoring excellence in film and television by actors, for actors. Um, you know, I always appreciate that it is uh, a lot of cheerleading for the Screen Actors Union. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I, it's like the one ceremony where everyone makes sure to sort of thank and really shout out both the union and all of the folks who are working very, very hard as actors who are not on stage. So it has just kind of a different vibe to it. Um, and, and it was a good night, a few surprises honoring both TV and film. Were there surprises? Were there? Let's talk about TV first. Right, I think the I'm... surprises were a little bit on the film side. Yes. So maybe in your area, Sarah, you mostly, you oversee our television coverage and take us through like some of the highlights. We had some so, Maisel, some Ozark. Where, where did you think were kind of the standout wins for TV? I'm not sure that I felt like there were standout wins necessarily. We have a narrative going here that is a continuing narrative. This is more like the tail end of the TV discussion mm -hmm. because the Emmys have already happened and the Golden Globes have already happened. So we're almost looking backwards at what has come before. And these are things that have already had their coronations. Mrs. Maisel winning previously, Rachel mm -hmm. Brosnahan winning previously, Jason Bateman and Ozark winning previously. So those didn't seem surprising. This is us, mm -hmm. not surprising, I think. And when you think about a show like that to an ensemble show, <laughs> with I mean if we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of like block voting mm -hmm. <laughs> like oh, that's the, numbers the more actors you have the better <laughs> right because the SAGs have an ensemble award rather than a best show award so it's kind of subbing it like all of the actors exactly instead of the overall production or show so itself. what does the what does the Kaminsky method actually have a chance when there's only four people on that show so just stack your show <laughs> with more people I do feel like I have to you know this was like predictable but I was really hoping the Americans was going to win best drama ensemble it was really We're their last alone. gasp mm. like this is really the end for this them this is the end for them like Mrs. Maisel in some ways this is sort of like they're the timing of them this is their second season so she'll that show will still be eligible for Emmys right exactly right, in for the, fall. the second season will be eligible for the next go-round of the Emmys but, but it was yes, the end of the end. road for the Americans and then for some of the limited series like uh, Versace which did win more awards the, but again kind of a place where that. a show that has won previously mm -hmm. Darren Chris has won previously there, I don't, not sure that there was a single winner last night where Sunday night where I was like, oh my goodness, what mm -hmm. a shock! Right. We also had Patricia Arquette for uh, Escape of Danamora, which to me is one of the most interesting things because a she deserved that award. If you have not seen Escape of Danamora, please go watch. Tell it. me what it is. I have not remarkable. seen it. So give me the. So it's based pitch. on a true story that you will probably remember in the recesses of your mind about a prison break in upstate New York a few years ago where a a female prison worker, she was not a guard, but she worked in the prison, ended up having uh, romantic relationships with two of the inmates, uh, here played by Benicio Del Toro 
and Paul Dano, and ultimately she helped them escape. And then there was a manhunt for a very long time, um, and she plays Tilly. This and she's just remarkable, and it. it is a transform. She's a terrific actress. We all know that. But this is just, she really knocks it out of the park. She brings humanity to a character that we don't see on television very often. And she's just so good in it. And she also gave a great speech last night, which is terrific. But I think this bodes really well for her, for Showtime, for that obviously is a limited show. It's just this one season. But it is really remarkable. And she I was just really, really happy wants to, to make see sure actors get paid. It was great. Make sure you're taking pictures of your meal breaks, your time cards. She was yeah, like, absolutely. so Particular. specific. It was great. It was just smart. I mean, yeah. and to your point about people talking about not just the crew, but the day players and the extras and the background people and reaching mm -hmm. out to reminding people that SAG isn't just the famous people that you see on television. Mm -hmm. It's literally the people that you're not paying attention to in the background, but are, that are also working actors. And they also include like a best stunt ensemble for the stunt performers. So they have awards that are even like further kind of making that point of here's all of the actors who are still making the show happen. Exactly, and it's very important. And one last thing just about TV, Although I know his career has straddled both film and television, to me, Alan Alda is a television oh, person. Yes. And that tribute, whoever so cuts beautiful. the montages together for this show in particular, yes. the montage of his career, how each of the characters seemed to talk to each other from clip to clip to clip, was just so incredible. And I just, it was probably the moment in the show where I cried. Yeah. I love him so I'm much. looking to see right now whether or not the whole piece is on YouTube, actually, so I could just tell people to go watch it. <laughs> um, it seems like his speech is up. I'm not sure if the, the rest of it is. I will say I really recommend Alan Alda's podcast. Um, he has a podcast. Of it's course. great. He's so happy <laughs> to be on it. He had a great um, episode with Tina Fey that mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Like he's he's so happy to there still be some, making creative yeah, work. That there are some people who now. love being a celebrity, or some people who just love their work so much. And yeah. that's what I see when I see somebody like Glenn Close, Alan Alda, people mm -hmm. who still really relish and 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 they don't seem to have that. Uh, that uh, you know that color on them that makes them seem jaded mm -hmm. or that they're going through the motions or anything you just reach a point in your career where this is this is all you identify with and you love it yeah and Alan Alda I mean shout out to Alan Alda for being like a really forward feminist who spoke out about how women were treated in Hollywood and in the world many, 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 many years ago, long before other people. Um, and and picked roles really, that were really smart in that yeah. way, too. I mean, certainly he played a variety of things, and there were times that he was villainous, although we tend to think of him as, you know, a good guy on screen. But like nuanced and in those situations and romantic situations in roles, like really thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Like he yeah. made great choices. And maybe that's because he had great opportunity. Sure, sure. <laughs> but just a reminder that yeah. we should give talented people good opportunities no matter what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have a nice piece going through with him going through his previous roles on EW.com. So you can check that out as well. Um, let's talk about who won on the film side on Sunday. Um, Glenn Close, Rami Malek, um, both won Best Actress and Best Actor in the Drama Categories, or uh, Best Female Actor and Best Male Actor, as the SAG Awards call it. I can't decide if I like that better than the Actress actors and Actor. Like it the actors like it better. You know what? It's their award. I'm glad they call it what they want. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think, are we going to get up to a point where we don't have to divide all of those categories? I don't know. But it is a little different. Um, and the cast of Black Panther, 
won, uh, which was also great to see. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Emily Blunt, Mahershala Ali, um, A Star is Born was shut out, um, as was Black Klansman and a favorite. Um, let's talk about what this means for the Oscars, or if we have any sort of specific things we want to say about this um, award people got from other actors. Sure. Um, yeah, just to focus on like with the SAGs, like this is a guild award and these are actors who have to work closely with other actors, whether they were extras back in the day picking up hours or if they were, you know, card carrying members for their lifetime. And so in a lot of ways going into this um, award show, I think, especially when they announced the nominees, I think a lot of people were looking at A Star is Born because like, oh look, like can we can we applaud Bradley Cooper for not just being a lead actor in mm -hmm. a challenging role, but also for being a a SAG, you know, card carrying member. Who took on um, more. Who took on more. Mm -hmm. And um and so that was really interesting because when I first heard those nominations, I think a lot of people thought, oh duh, a star is born. Um but I think especially after we've seen a few shows now, um and and I think the Oscar nominations is, is a little bit of a testament to to what is to come. This had, you know, really strong nominations and, and went home with nothing. And I think that it, it's less that people don't appreciate the film, but perhaps they appreciate other people's efforts more. And I this is not this is not a this is not calling out any particular voters in, in specific, but you have to remember these are actors who want to support other actors. And so who's to say that mm -hmm. Emily Blunt is not just maybe the most amazing oh, yeah. person to work with? I mean, I feel like Emily Blunt, I'm glad she won. It was yeah. great to I'm see so her. I was like, it was hard It was hard to know that this is it. This is like the only thing she can win this year now at this point because- yeah, For a quiet place. Especially in that moment, it was like, give her everything. <laughs> but didn't you feel that way after seeing the movie? That yeah. even though there was so little dialogue, which obviously is so much more difficult I just was so blown away by her performance that I felt like this was justice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of these winners are, reflect that, that even though some of them dovetail with the horse race aspect of it, like what Rami Malek did was incredibly impressive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And m there are millions of Queen fans the world over. And given what else was going ar around on around that production, the friction and everything else, I think it's just as much for that mm -hmm. as it maybe not just as much, but a part of it is there's that a recognition as well. that he made a great performance during what seems to be far less than ideal circumstances. Yeah, hundred exactly. percent. And you again, you will not hear the words Brian Singer being uttered by anybody who worked on that film. Um, there will be no association with that. But that continued last night. Um, Rami just this past week claimed that he didn't know about any allegations or any kind of reputation that Brian Singer had going into this film, which is a little, you know, to be fair, hard to believe. Um, you know, not just as somebody who works as mm -hmm. a journalist, but I think a lot of people out there would understand even the slightest innuendo of, of working with somebody who's notoriously difficult um, or goes MIA on his own production. Yeah. And so I think that was interesting because people thought, oh, after, let's say, the, the Golden Globes where Rami took home that award for Best Actor, and um, you, you think, oh, well, maybe these voters have learned a lesson or these voters look at the film differently mm -hmm. after there's been some they kind of backlash. They know more context. And that's not true because you look at um, the, like if you look at the voting schedule for the SAGs, um, people were voting right up until Friday. I yeah. mean, as in the Friday before the show. Yeah. 
Um, and so this is not, this is it's also... reflective of sort of what has happened most recently. It's reflective of the class of voters because maybe this may not 100% be reflective of how Oscar voters are thinking, but actor to actor, people look at Rami Malek and think that's a really, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a really positive and really um, uh, great performance. And I think the same, you know, it's like Glenn Close has always been the front runner this entire season. She's batting perfect in terms of, you know, what she is nominated for. She's up against like, um, you know, Olivia Coleman seems to be um, kind of the, you know, the the second up or, or mm -hmm. she, you know. It seems the, like this is Glenn Close's. This is Glenn Close's. Her, like her yeah. and Mahershala Ali both at this point now have essentially won every opportunity yes. that they can. And they definitely, like, there's always a possibility of an upset. Yeah. But they're both, I think, pretty, like they have, their speeches have been great, their performances have been great. Mm -hmm. Whatever, con like whatever continued controversy Green Book continues to go through, Mahershala, though I don't think he should have to answer to it, has, I think, done a really smooth job of yes. sort of keeping himself out of the fray mm -hmm. and in, like, acknowledging the larger issues and being really calm about it and in a way that literally no one else involved with that film has figured out how to do. Totally. And and so we've got that. But then I am, let's talk about this, like, kind of Rami Malek and Christian Bale, mm. right? So Christian Bale lost last night, which I do think was the one kind of upset mm. of the night. Um, and I think Rami Malek's going to beat him at the Oscars. Too. You do. So they were like in, they were in separate categories for the Globes. So they were able to both win Globes. Mm -hmm. Then Bale won at the Critics' Choice Award. He actually won twice. He won Best Actor and Actor in a Comedy. Although weirdly, there is no Best Actor in a Drama category at the Critics' Choice Award. <laughs> so head. Uh, Rami was only nominated once. Christian Bale was nominated twice and won twice. Um, they're both nominated for BAFTAs, but that will happen immediately before the Oscars. And will not like voting will have closed for the Oscars by then. It's sort of its own separate thing so he's gonna win Sarah you're too. saying Sarah you say he's gonna win he's definitely BAFTA. gonna win the BAFTA even though Christian Bale is actually British okay. and you would think he has a home field advantage he's playing an American who and was not American. universally beloved by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> while Rami Malek is playing a universally beloved rock star and doing a good job. But sure. if you look at the HFPA or whatever that is, that yeah. is like a, a large British voting body and Vice took home. Largely British, but small body. Yeah, small yes. body, largely British. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the delineation. You're welcome. Um, but you look at that, Vice took home quite a lot and was actually really beloved by nominations but also its wins and then last night we see you know an Amy Adams mm -hmm. um, up against Emily Blunt mm -hmm. who we were just talking about and we had Christian Bale up against Remy Malek but then when it comes to another uh, another overseas voting body um, what does that ultimately mean yeah. like especially people people are very tickled by Christian Bale's uh, acceptance speeches and his yes. whole like demeanor yeah. this time yeah and people may not necessarily be tickled by the film but I, I wonder if that actually goes some distance what do you what do you think is going to happen at the Oscars? Christian oh, Bale, Rami. I mean, I, it's always possible. Like the other people in that category, Bradley Cooper, Willem yeah. Dafoe, who is a little bit of a surprise, even as, a, nom would, as yeah. a nominee, Viggo Mortensen, yeah. who is I don't think going to win. Yeah. And I think we're pretty sure Bradley Cooper is not going to win either. Yeah. He has won none of these acting I don't think throughout. A Star so. is Born is going to win anything but Best Song. Uh, this so year. But it really comes down Oscars. to Christian Bale and Rami Malek. And when yeah. you think about it, it's funny too because they both have done trans. They've done opposite transformations. Yes. A British man has turned into a sort of, an, again, not universally beloved American man. An American man has transformed into a universally beloved and like, sure. and skinny versus heavy, old versus young to not mm -hmm. old enough. Yeah. God rest his soul. I just really think that the $800 million global box office 
makes a difference. Absolutely. It's a big slant, and people are very familiar with Queen, and they love that music. And it's a, it's in a lot of a lot of ways for as much in that movie is not a feel good movie. Um, it is a feel good movie, whereas Vice is a very polarizing title. That doesn't necessarily mean I, I like that Sarah's like Rami all the way. I'm, just to be contrarian, I'm going to say it's Christian mm -hmm. at the Oscars, um, just because he is. He, he, I think when we look at challenging roles like within that realm, mm -hmm. I think they really like to reward um, projects that weight gain. Been. <laughs> <laughs> like good for you, good job, dude. <laughs> Only for men now. <laughs> In, and this is getting like very into the sort of like when you have that ballot in front of you, what are you doing? I think I wonder if people who might be reluctant to vote for Bohemian Rhapsody as best picture and might then more skew to Rami and be exactly. like, well, but Rami. And that that's going to be where like they're like not going to touch it on best picture, but yes. like Rami. So which is like, good news for Black Panther. Go. Right. Which could be good news for Black I'm Panther. I'm still I'm just still my breath is still taken away that Beale Street is not oh, a, a yes. nominee. But we're talking about Bohemian <laughs> so Rhapsody let's, as let's, a best I know. picture I can't, right now. I'm I can't passing even. Out let's not. Let's just skip it. But, just but think what about. like not the person we didn't see last night was Regina King because Regina King got shut out of the SAG Awards. Not nominated, which is Robert. So Robbery. shocking to me, like especially since she has cleaned up across other award shows yeah. for this film, um, deservedly so, I think. Like the other, so it's weird because you know last night we saw Emily Blunt, who is not eligible for an Oscar in this category, Regina King, who was not nominated. So we're still back to the five nominees for supporting actress, who are Amy Adams for Vice, Marina de Tavira for Roma, Regina King, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, right, and. I mean, I think Amy Adams is really the other leading person here under the general idea that probably the favorite might split its own vote. And that while I think Marina was amazing in Roma, I think that was the sort of, she was the real surprise nominee that mm -hmm. she also sure. picked that up. But, and people love Amy Adams. She's been nominated four times for Best Supporting, once for Best Actress, never won. And that doesn't even count the fact that she wasn't even nominated for Arrival, <laughs> which seems like <laughs> which the one that was so the most minded. obvious out of all of them. Which is why she's going to win. So you think she's going to beat Regina yeah. King? I actually Oscars. do. I feel like this is, I think that it's between the two of them cleanly. Yeah. The favorite women split the vote. The nomination is the win for Marina. It's and it's just this is Whoopi Goldberg winning for Ghost, right? Mm -hmm. This is mm. we didn't give it to you for Color Purple. Sure. The other times that you were nominated, she has that sort of she's so gifted, and yet there is this thing that clings to her as like always the bridesmaid, and maybe this is the year she gets to be the bride mm. for playing the wife, mm -hmm. you know. And wives are very popular this year. <laughs> they are very popular. Glenn They're Close, always uh, popular. Glenn Close is the one who ha that trumps uh, Amy Adams in terms of nominations without a win, and right. that, that again is just like how how do we dole these out? Yeah. Because do, do you get one, Glenn? Yes, you do. And it's like, has so. the Academy punished Amy enough, <laughs> or not quite enough? <laughs> is like right, honestly like. like yeah, the here, Academy it, as a punitive yeah. body is really my favorite because they would just right. have as all if, of also them as if it is back. a monolith, which yeah. it, of course is not. That's it. I, I hope really, Regina. I really King hope wins. Regina wins too, and I feel like I thought Amy Adams was very good in Vice. I liked that movie a lot more than I thought I was going to, but I feel like Regina, her performance is just such a powerhouse mm -hmm. of like everything about it in a way that. I think Amy Adams' body of work certainly demonstrates, but I'm not sure I would say specifically just for Vice. Yes. 
something else about like kind of the glut of riches too is looking at I mean all season we've been talking about how the supporting actress um, the vote is always split between Rachel Weisz and um, Emma Stone who were phenomenal but I did see an argument where it was just like what if just in just for grins, what if Olivia Coleman was their one choice to push mm -hmm. as supporting actress? Yeah, I actually was going to say that. I feel like if Olivia Coleman was in this category, it would be a different conversation. She was the only one. She, it would be a she different would conversation. She would be cleaning up. And if, if she wasn't at the show last night. You can talk about campaigning. If you are mm -hmm. the if you are the sole um, you know, heir to to take a, a nominations period forward for uh, for a title, and the favorite obviously um, mm -hmm. tied for most nominations at the Oscars. Right. Um, but it was just very curious to see like Olivia Coleman wasn't present at the yeah. SAG Awards last night, yeah. and they haven't done a lot of press together. And I this is the year that I feel like more than any we've seen how. Like people talk about campaigning all the time and there's all of the money and all of the marketing that goes into it mm -hmm. in LA especially. But I think that campaign speeches, AKA your acceptance speech is the most powerful and the mm -hmm. most like winning those early places like the Globes or other places and giving a knockout speech like Glenn Close did at the Globes. I feel like the moment like even more than her win at the Globes, that speech, I was like, oh, she's got this. Now yeah. now we're done. Like she's just locked yeah, down. She just made doesn't... the best possible argument for why not only her performance, but she as a person should win this. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Christian um, Bale too. That's where Christian Bale too. Yeah. And I will say I appreciated in that spirit Chadwick Boseman's passionate like speech on behalf of Black Panther, yeah. because I felt like that, and I, it's not, I think he made the case for why you should really take Black Panther seriously for, black, for best picture. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he was saying thank you in that moment and thank you as actors, but there was this very, to me, and I don't mean this in a cynical way, like statement being made about this film and why it should continue to win awards in the time that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that might be the, the only one that they get, but you do have to remember that the SAG Awards, they, they're not giving awards to the pictures, they're giving it only to cast and cast members. And so you look at like Black mm -hmm. Panther also won like best stunts or whatever. Oscars yeah. pay attention. You yeah. need like a stunts category because it was so cool. You yeah. look at you look at the possibilities yes. there. You want to integrate you want to integrate more um, cast, different diverse kinds of cast. You want to integrate more flavor and color to your to your telecast to your awards mm -hmm. bring this bring the stunt, mm -hmm. stunt category in mm -hmm. just do it and then you'll feel so much better and everybody's going to feel better for you that being said black panther if there was anything last night that you would say is the crowning award of the night it is movie yeah. cast yeah and it's up against like like a murderer's row at, mm -hmm. at for vice mm -hmm. you look at everybody who was in that and they were all great great actors but Black Panther really got to take it home, and that might be their only moment in the sun in terms of like how their cast is represented on a stage taking up an award, and they nailed it. it was and that they beautiful. get to speak rather than, even if it wins Best Picture. Right, it would be a producer. It would be a producer mm -hmm. speaking. I actually think they have a shot. I feel more convinced of it today. That's what I'm saying. I feel like something about that moment and people's reaction to it reminded me again. Mm. I, think, I don't think they'll win anything else. You think they're um, just going to win best? I mean, some of the other the other technical right, things, exactly, no, which no, is no. really what they're not because they're not nominated in any of the other big categories. Anyway. Yeah, but I really, I think the momentum is there, and I think you're right about the speech last night. I felt this way before the speech, but if we are talking about some kind of sea change, and it's so complex these issues, but here's a perfect example of winning on quality, mm -hmm. not on intent. Quality that and that, that is quality the, was. Recognized and yeah. recognized by millions of people who went and saw the film, and that there global. is that global 
Yeah, we could only kind of tease at this last week, but the um, our Oscars cover has Black Panther on the cover, um, and it was you know every year EW picks a film to put on the cover for its Oscars issue that is something that people really want to shine a spotlight on. You know, I think it's it's less about like we are definitively saying this is the best movie of the entire year, and more like we're rooting for you. <laughs> like yeah. this is a movie we uh, loved and want to say more about. If you haven't read that main cover piece by Mark Bernadine, it was great. Um, anyone, I don't know, want to talk a little bit about that and sort of how Mark brought his, he is a former staffer who was here. Mm -hmm. He co-hosts a podcast now with none other than Kevin Smith. Um, so he's like certainly well positioned to yeah. talk about this. Great piece. In a, he's an established television writer as well. And Mark, uh, yeah, being a former EW staffer, understands that you need to poke through a lot of noise. And I think um, if you read this, if you read this essay, and I edited it and worked with Mark on it. Um, I think what we converse about when we talk about Black Panther is blackness and blackness in America and what it means to have a quote unquote like black film and then black film, like film features that feature largely black casts. Mm -hmm. And so he was talking a little bit about what felt different about this um, when the film came out, what the reactions were pre and then during um, Black Panther and then bringing it all the way uh, almost a full year later what it means to arrive here now and how Oscars have traditionally um, rewarded quote-unquote black films and so he was talking about you know there are there are things about black suffering like 12 years a slave or precious and this was less about black suffering and what made it extraordinary it was about black excellence and how that con conversation had not quite occurred for the Oscars yet because that is the history of Hollywood. We haven't, you know, haven't had the opportunity to talk about black excellence in an Oscar-nominated best picture film until now. And it was not just excellent in, in the filmmaking and bringing together a cool, you know, cast and outstanding stunts and VFX. Um, but it it brought about a huge box office. Mm -hmm. um, it, it made more than a billion dollars um, globally. Um, it was a huge hit in America. It translated to a lot of different kinds of audiences mm -hmm. because it was a superhero film and good versus evil. But even the evil quote <laughs> villain of this film was just like was a real like whoa of like of Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger character. And so Black Panther, the, his essay is, uh, essentially was bringing up all these these facts of just how we have regarded black film in terms of awards mm -hmm. giving and what a monumental achievement this is. Yeah. Yes. Well put. And he did a really good job, and I can say as a black person, that he gets into some of the cultural aspect of it on a personal level, talking about taking his kids to the film, mm -hmm. talking about running into other patrons at the movie theater, and that there is a level on which there might be a way to appreciate this in a different way if you are actually black. Mm -hmm. And that's the great thing about any kind of great movie is that it has many layers to appreciate for different facets of the audience. And there is something incredibly remarkable about having that. And that's something that Chadwick Boseman was talking about in his SAG speech that, and Mark says in his story for, you know, people that look a certain way to be able to look on the screen and decide which one of the characters you most identify with because they all look like you mm -hmm. is a 
is just an incredible thing and on some level also sort of a tragic thing. But it is so, I think it's just exciting, the idea that we are not here because, you know, we are suffering. Yeah. Because we are slaves, because we are looking at history, because we are being shut out of nightclubs and hotels and mm -hmm. I mean because some of what if you look if you want to compare and contrast those two films some of what Green Book is about is a much more classic Oscar film about race yeah. relations about a black man suffering and overcoming and exactly basically yeah. experiencing racism as one of the drivers of the story which is a true thing and a thing that is worth telling a story about but it is a thing that stories have been told about much more frequently mm -hmm. than black people kicking ass in technology mm -hmm. and being superheroes. You know, it's funny sometimes in that when you get into a conversation of talking about identity in film, sometimes there'll be this this counter argument that's like, this is a lot to put on one film, right? That this mm -hmm. is, but the thing about Black Panther is I just feel like if you were, like it is a strong enough film to hold up to that. Like there's just this like, like because it has such popularity, because it has so many amazing people who are part of it who have been saying such great things about why it matters this whole time. It doesn't, like, yes, it's a lot to put on Black Panther to be like, you have to go win Best Picture now. Like, it wasn't enough. Right. It wasn't enough that <laughs> you broke great. all of these other records, that you made this amazing film, that you changed what superhero movies look like forever, that you made a gazillion dollars, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Also, but like, it almost doesn't, it doesn't seem crazy. It's like, this is a film that you can, it's a big movie and it feels, not as weird to kind of put these huge expectations on it yeah. because it's already sort of surpassed all of the you know ideas people had where it was like oh don't put too much on this film it doesn't have to be the biggest one it was like no then it was the biggest one ever exactly and, and that's a good thing yeah. it's a thing that's worthy of celebration and when you talk about blockbusters at the oscars like mark does in his story think about james cameron films like titanic mm -hmm. like nobody left this movie saying there was enough room on that door for both of them to survive <laughs> yeah like yeah <laughs> And yeah, like, yeah. It's not that. Yeah. This year, and I don't want to take away from any of the specialness that um, Black Panther deserves, but looking at um, a nominee like Roma mm -hmm. um, as well, when you are seeing diversity mm -hmm. of a different kind on, on film, um, and, and you don't even have the numbers to compare box office, but obviously mm -hmm. Netflix doesn't release numbers notoriously. And so, like, you look at Roma, though, and, and, it, and it's a great reminder that... Um, that we have an opportunity years going forward, every year going forward, um, that there's room for it all. Yeah. Um, that that it doesn't have to be like seven films featuring white people and then right. there's the one black film or mm -hmm. black featuring film. Yeah. Um, that there are people of color, brown people and black people who can be featured in a film that is excellent in a completely different way. Yeah, and and, we and like in a foreign like language. We got part of the way there with the best picture race this year. You know, like, like it, it was, it's part of the way. And, and that it's not, it's not to say that like every film must be this like as hyper diverse color-wise, representation-wise, to be considered. But when you just think that there's there's room for level, like, there's not a quota on excellent mm -hmm. film. It's not like there is mm. just, like, there can only really be six It becomes very easy films. at this time of year to, yes. like, it all comes down to just, like, we're only going to talk about one, two, three films. In reality, like, here are many great films yes. that are m maybe more reflective of who we are overall yeah. and, and getting more attention. And when you pull out the... Catholicity of the nominations is amazing. I mean, the difference yeah. between mm -hmm. the favorites and Green Book and Black Panther 
and yes. a star is born. I mean, my goodness. Yes. Oh, one last thing I want to say about campaigning, and then we're going to take a quick break. Um, my vote for the best campaign stunt of the season, I think, has to be in Las Vegas this weekend um, <laughs> at Lady Gaga's show. Bradley Cooper. Quasi allegedly reluctantly coming on stage. Me, me, me go up there, but to just sing, like in the movie, just like in the movie, but reverse to sing shallow with Lady Gaga. But you know what? With not an ounce of being jaded, I I loved it. I loved every second of it. I watched it from like 17 different angles from people's phones. I loved how much other people loved it. People were like, this is the alternate ending I wanted to the film, which I was like, I feel like you might have missed the point of the film, but okay. But I, you know what? Like that movie is such a weird meta mix of like who, what's real and what's not real and like who are these people to each other that from just like a sheer moment of being a fan and like enjoying it, I was like, the only, like, if you had done, it wouldn't even been as interesting. Maybe that's what they'll do at the Oscars, but I almost am glad that they did it first at yep. her show. Yep. And it was great, and they sounded great, yep. and it was intense and weird and emotional in all of the ways that they seem to be. Yep. And anyway, it wins my prize for best campaign stunt yep. of the season. I get it. I get it. Um, it just would have been that much better if he had pulled out a wipe and wiped off her makeup. <laughs> oh, oh, stop. Oh, oh stop. Okay. Oh, God. All right, all right, all right. When we come back, um, not like kind of bold predictions, but actually a little bit of a quick look at next year's award cycle from our folks who are at Sundance. Um, and then, Katie, we are going to talk a little bit about Best Feature Documentary nominees for the Oscars. Fine. So stick around. This red carpet season, enjoy the award-winning entertainment you love with AT&T's Unlimited and More Premium Plan. Get unlimited data and live TV, plus your choice of one of seven premium add-ons like HBO, Cinemax, or Pandora. Go to att.com unlimited to learn more. After 22 gigabytes per line per month, AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds when the network is busy. Note that video may be limited to standard definition. Choose one premium add-on only. Content, programming, and channels subject to change. Additional usage, speed, limits, and other restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Awardist. I'm Shana Naomi Krokmal. I'm joined here by Sarah Rodman and Katie Hasty, talking about, uh, we went to talk about SAG Awards, and you know we're at that moment in the award season where we get a little bit of fatigue. I feel like audiences do too. They're like, is it the Oscars yet, or did I even see these movies? And somehow in the middle of all of that, I felt a little FOMO about films we haven't even seen yet, because a lot of folks are at Sundance. They have been this past weekend. Um, we've got a couple of folks there. Critically, Greenblatt is there. One of our staffers, Mary Solosi, is there. They've been seeing stuff and tweeting about it. A couple of ones I wanted to highlight, but Katie, you've been to Sundance before, right? Set up for us just quickly, like what, how many of these movies are we actually going to be talking about a year from now when we're talking about Oscars? Does it matter? Is that what Sundance is there for? Um, I think it sets the stage. It, it's a real table setter of a festival because I think partly what you're talking about is awards fatigue. Um, it brings in a new crop of like, I don't know what this is. This is <laughs> fascinating. Of Just like, we don't know what these titles are. And what Sundance provides 
uh, as a table setter is a whole bunch of stars and a bunch of star directors. And this institute has really done a, a good job of selling itself as a as an incubator, as a nurturer of mm -hmm. like early talent, of like you know great feature film directors. First films go there, whereas like stars you've like people who will be stars but you've never seen before. Absolutely, yeah. um, Toronto has a great position in the year because it's coming right after summer season is over. Blockbusters are done, but now it's it it, it kind of leads into the awards conversation. It does pick up a lot of Sundance titles um, uh, to show, like, as their second big showing, but Sundance is really um, a great, like, where acquisition happens a lot, but really you get to see what big, big stars, like, Army Hammer, for instance, this year, or what is Kiki Lane up to after mm -hmm. this um, Beale Street? Um, you can take a look at, at what people are serving next, mm -hmm. and it's not always great. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's a little hit or miss, and yeah. that's why not everything will even get distributed, necessarily get picked up and go. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of the highlights from Leah. We, I don't think any of us have seen any of these films yet, right? I have seen so, Velvet Buzzsaw, and okay. let me tell you, it's fun. So you liked Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was one. Um, a lot of folks, including Leah, were buzzing about Native Son. Um, Kiki Lane, who was in Beale Street, is in that again. Um, uh, Leah said nothing breezy to tweet about it and the final scene will wreck you but it's great to see her full review is up on EW.com also hearing a lot about Adam Driver in the report um, which is um, about the CIA and torture so more fun on that side fun, fun. Um, Shia LaBeouf uh, wrote a script autobiographical for Honey Boy um, so that just sounds like a lot I, I'm going to wait to see that before I literally say anything else about it, but Leah's full review is up on EW.com. Um, and then a lot of excitement for Lulu Wang's Sundance debut, The Farewell, uh, which Leah called um, in a tweet, middle income crazy rich Asians, um, but Aquafina in the main role. And one um, kind of piece on the business side, it already got bought and will be out in theaters this summer. Um, so As that was did the Emma Thompson, Mindy Kaling project. Oh yes, they, late night. Late night, just bought by Amazon. Uh, Emma Thompson, Mindy Kaling. People love it. Um, Mary also really enjoyed that one, I believe. And I um, love that Mindy Kaling's quote about it was something to the effect of, "I'm so glad I've spent a fortune on Amazon. It's about time they reciprocate." <laughs> uh, and yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so some other good things like that. So check it out. We've got some coverage on EWO. You can always follow Leah on Twitter at Leah Bats. Um, she does a great sort of like quick hot take from film festivals that I really appreciate and then usually flushes out much longer pieces in her criticism after. Um, and some documentaries definitely also making some buzz. There was the documentary about uh, Michael Jackson. Um, which was a long one, which we heard a lot about. I haven't seen yet, and I think it's gonna. Uh, it is going to air on both the BBC and HBO. Yeah, so that one we already know features, is coming. Um, two of the the uh, people who had accused him of molestation. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also uh, Leah flagged that there is a documentary um, called Untouch Untouchable, which is about Harvey Weinstein. Um, so more from that. You know, light, also. fairly fair. Yeah. Sundance. Um, <laughs> on the on the light side, Leah said she's never seen a Sundance crowd go as crazy as they did for um, the musical Blinded by the Light, um, which she described as being like a British Pakistani Bruce Springsteen musical. 
And why wouldn't you not go crazy? Why for wouldn't that? you not go crazy for That's that? Great. So Sundance, I'm excited to start seeing some of these films, um, or to see some of the good ones, the standout ones, um, and to see where they go. Um, Katie, let's talk. You love documentaries. I know it is a passion of yours. And one thing we haven't talked too much about on the award as yet is the Oscar feature documentary category. Um, let's take just a kind of few minutes to go through those. Um, the nominations for this year, if you want to, will you kind of take us through each of them, starting with Free Solo? Sure. So um, Free Solo, that's um, National Geographic, Nat Geo title. Um, and it, it was like, it's kind of delightful to see it on this list because um, it, it, when you think of Nat Geo documentaries, I think they've done some of the greatest cinematography work, but there's not always going to be a, a, a narrative as strong as this one is. It's about um, a free solo climber who, for those who are not in the know of the climbing world, um, that means you climb up very tall things without any safety gear. Um, this is about a climber um, who uh, scaled um, a, a basically flat piece of granite. Um, flat but vertical. Flat, very vertical, <laughs> very flat. Um, and it is the first time that anybody has scaled um, this this piece of granite it follows this kind of journey but it also it has this arc of just like somebody coming to terms with their own mortality in a very like straightforward way like this is a person who will die doing this mm -hmm. um, okay. and and there's proof in the pudding of all the other kind of free solo climbers uh, in the world who have done this but on top of it I just love it because this documentary not only has like the wow factor of looking down just this rock. How did they get that shot? How did you after? get that? And, and like how they did it was simply amazing. It's, it's worthy of its own story. But it also has like his own personal arc that he has with his girlfriend of like, how could you be with somebody when you're, you're <laughs> basically like flirting with disaster and death at all times? And so that's what Free Solo is about, is about a climber who is climbing up a very tall rock. Um, and it is just wonderful and beautiful. Um, so then there's, um, Hale County this morning, this evening, um, which as much of a, a mouthful as the title is, it's 76 minutes and it's really worthy of your time because it basically shows a, a side out of, a, of black America, um, small community um, in Hale County, Alabama. Um, and it, it's, it's a portrait. It's a portrait of Americana, it, but from specific perspective of uh, of of some choice people who are living in this town, living either on the edge of poverty or living in um, this in in the deep south, um, and it's just a really beautiful portrait. And it reminds me this this one wasn't nominated this year, but I can really highly recommend uh, another film this year about kind of Americana and the experience in kind of a nonlinear way uh, is Monrovia, Indiana which is four hours long, um, <laughs> or it's, maybe it's three, it's three. But, but it, what's really great about films like those and specifically about Hale County is it, is it does a lot with, with there's, no, there's nothing uh, razzle-dazzle about it. Mm -hmm. um, it does a lot with a little, and by a little I mean they just found the right people to find in the right moments. Um, that like with images that you will never be able to tear away mm -hmm. from your brain um, and it's just like a very beautiful portrait. Um, Minding the Gap, uh, you know, when Shana had me on the show um, a couple times ago. You called that one early. Uh, I did, I did and um, First Reformed, as I said, was my very 
favorite film uh, this past year, but um, my number two has, a, and, and I knew at the moment I saw it, it is, it is really breathtaking story um, in the movie Minding the Gap. And this is from first time filmmaker Bing Liu, um, who basically follow, he's, if, if you grew up, you know, around skaters or skating, um, there's always the guy with the camera, and he was always the guy with the camera, but he managed to capture um, a decade of him with his skating friends, with his skateboarding friends, and what starts out as just like, isn't, isn't my crew cool, really turns into a story um, that I've never seen told in quite the same way, with the patience of somebody who's been shooting over a decade with his friends and the relationship to domestic violence. Um, to masculinity, mm. to um, growing up black or brown and poor. Um, and this is this takes place uh, in the Midwest, like, and it feels, uh, again, it's just this slice of America that you feel like if you, mm. you would only be able to get it if you were patient mm -hmm. or an expert. Mm -hmm. um, but he, you know, went from being basically an amateur um, skateboard videographer to sitting down with his own mother and asking if she knew how he was being abused with his own mom. It was is so crazy and you're just losing your mind because you can't imagine what it'd be to be a fly on the wall mm -hmm. in there and he's doing it on this tiny budget and it's just such a magnificent, oh, I cannot recommend it enough. I'm so glad it's in this category because this is such a strong, this is such a strong year but it, a really beautiful film by him. Um, and this is like, Fathers and Sons is the next film kind of on the list. And this is like, and I, I don't want to fault anybody at the Oscars for this. I, it, it, speaking of flies on the wall, like, I can't believe it's just like this crazy story um, set in Syria that you just, you see just exactly what the title alludes to, um, how young men are recruited into jihadi, um, groups into becoming militant dissonance, dis dissidents, how men are radicalized. And this film, the, I say I don't want to fault the Oscars for this because there are really great films, really brave films of people going into very, very dangerous places with dangerous people, capturing um, really scary stories. This seems to be kind of the token of this group. Mm -hmm. um, Last year, obviously, we had mm. um, we had the tale of you know coming out of Aleppo, uh, Last Men in Aleppo, mm -hmm. um, which is a really beautiful film as well. But this one is just like breathtaking the how the closeness um, uh, that you feel of 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 terror. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's. That's a real sunny one too, and then um, we and have RBG. Then there's right. RBG, which is, um, is she's had a big, strong year. Um, the feature film on the basis of sex um, really didn't get any Oscars love, but this one did. Um, this documentary about um, the arc of uh, of notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, throughout her life. Um, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's a title by Magnolia. It's, it feels like the scale isn't as grand as you know recruiting, you know a major British actress and our our handsome dashing Army Hammer. It, <laughs> it doesn't have the razzle dazzle. It just states the facts and puts it pretty straightforward. It's like some really great. I mean, I think I feel like this this is the one I have seen, mm -hmm. but it seems like from the conversation is the one to beat, right? Yeah. Because partly because it's well known. Yep. 
it's been well seen. It's been out for most of this time. And everybody loves RBG. And she, yeah. they love her. And, and if you if you thought you loved her, and then you see the film, and yeah. then you love her like a hundred times more because mm -hmm. there's just nothing. Like sometimes I literally have days sometimes where I'm like, can I get up and do this today? Yep. And then I think about those shots of her in the gym, mm -hmm. like lifting weights, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Can Ruth Bader Ginsburg get up and lift weights today? Then you can get out of bed and do whatever incredibly trivial thing it is yeah. that you've decided sounds too difficult. Um, and also, I, 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 looking back at the last couple of years of winners, they did tend to be ones that had a little bit more popular, like knowledge, acclaim. Like, I mean, I think we're in a really great time for documentaries, mm -hmm. and so many people are watching documentaries much more as a matter of course, mm -hmm. especially on streaming. Last year, Netflix's Icarus won the doc about doping at the Olympics. Also, had like some very scary moments in it. Did have a real-world impact yeah. um, in helping to break that story and to document how that story broke. Um, the year before that, OJ Made in America, which was you know one of a number of OJ-related projects, yeah. both real and fictional, that year. Um, but that was from 30 from 30, very long. It was like eight hours. Because it was a TV show. Because it was a it TV was show. It was a mini series. It was, yes, that they, they screened. And you get a lot done in a movie if you yeah. just make it a TV series. If you make exactly. it eight hours long. Um, <laughs> Not take anything away from it. helped a little bit that people, it, those were both really pretty well known yeah. going into it. They were not the mystery documentary. But no. so what do you think? Who? What's your bold take on which of these? Who should win? Well, clearly you think win? Minding the Gap should win. I think Minding the Gap should win, um, and it's such, I mean, I hate to apply the, the term small story up against anything, even, even the regular categories. This is such a small story, and I hope it affects people as much as I think anybody who actually managed to see this is on Hulu. It was so easy to see. Um, I, I think I, that's my favorite one, but I think, you, like you said, RBG is is um, the one to beat um, in a way because if you look at like especially in the last 10 years the winners like there's again there's tons of dangerous documentaries every year there's like one mm -hmm. of those like wow like white helmets or whatever it is um, but if you look at what actually manages to win for the last like 10 years you're going to see the movie um, searching for Sur sugar man mm -hmm. pop culture you see 20 feet from stardom mm -hmm. which was made by morgan neville um, who and, and that's pop culture you're looking at amy um, mm -hmm. about Amy Winehouse's pop culture, mm -hmm. but you also look at Scandal, that's OJ, that's Citizen Four, you look at Icarus. Mm -hmm. um, so it's Scandal and American pop culture. Hmm, those things seem to be going <laughs> hand in hand. Right. And so there's nothing outright like scandalous on this, except I, I find the, the, um, the Syrian film of Fathers and Sons to, to have this element of danger. But what seems to be really um, flying home with voters in the last 10 years, I'm just saying, is something that they're familiar with, something yeah. that is popular yes. culture. And RBG is the closest thing that you have to that. And Free I, mean, Solo I don't think anyone wants heart. to feel like, I, I feel like people want to vote for her. Yes. A right. vote for RBG is like, a vote for RBG. Please right. continue you know? to, you know, live, lift your weights and go to work and do your thing. <laughs> totally. Um, all right. Uh, thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks for having um, us. You can always get complete awardist coverage on EW.com, also in the magazine. Uh, we'll be back next week talking even more detailed predictions for the Oscars. Uh, if you like this podcast, let us know and please subscribe uh, at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Um, I got to explain to my 
92-year-old grandmother this week, she said, what is a podcast? And uh -huh. it's so easy to be like, it's like when you would listen to the radio. And she exactly. immediately got it and made radio it show, show her on her app. So <laughs> anyone can do it. It's great. Uh, while you're at it, check out our TV critics' new podcast, Best of Shows, with Kristen Baldwin and Darren Franch. This week, they are talking about I Am the Night, which is the TNT show with Chris Pine, um, directed by Patty Jenkins, which I have seen and did really enjoy. And also, they showed a ton of ads for during the SAG Awards. <laughs> and directly after. <laughs> and directly. It, and it they got me to watch it. After. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Best of Shows talks about that, plus Firefest dueling documentaries and the Netflix show. Let's you just talk about Firefest for like. Like the rest of the year. No, I think you'd have to go on Kristen and Darren's podcast to do that. Um, but I, I mean, it's all anyone wants to talk about. I'm sure I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but I'm sure they have done a great um, deep dive into that. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone, to the Awardist, and um, thank you from EW from being a part of our awards conversation. Have a great week.